0: restaurant unstoppable episode 357 you know one of the first things that happens when you walk into like a conventional coffee shop is um you kind of walk in the door look up and above to the menu the first thing that you expect somebody to say is like hi what can i get for you today and so from my angle i wanted to like rewrite that whole script and in order to open up this connection piece that could happen later on. Um, And so for us, we didn't have overhead menus. And the first question that we asked people was like, hey, what are you you up to today?
1: Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become... Unstoppable. Yo, guys, what if I told you I found a menu that's made from paper that's waterproof and rip proof? This thing is basically dirty proof. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, get me some of that. Uh, I hate cleaning menus, but you can have this menu. It's called Terra Slate Menus, guys. You'll get 15% off if you use promotional code unstoppable at checkout. So what are you waiting for? Head over to TerraSlatePaper.com. Hey, guys, would you like to know the exact marketing strategy a restaurant owner used to generate over $36,000 in sales from just $400 in Facebook ads? Would you like to know how a bar owner doubled her Tuesday night business in just four weeks for just $50 a week? Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy of the industry's number one selling marketing and promotion book bar and restaurant. Success. This book reveals the step-by-step marketing plan that created these results so you can apply them in your own business. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Brian Gibb. Brian, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Sure am. (laughs) Awesome. So Brian Gibb is the founder of Bolt Coffee Co. Over four years ago, Bolt Coffee Co. carved out a niche by starting as a mobile coffee catering cart, which focused on weddings and other events. They have since scaled into their first brick and mortar location at the Dean Hotel in Providence, Rhode Island. Bolt Coffee Co. is a coffee company. Seeking to create meaningful impact in the place they find themselves. They believe that good coffee is best enjoyed with friends. Uh, Obviously, this is just scraping the surface on who you are, what you're all about. I can't wait to share your story of how you scaled this sucker. But first, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Take it away, Brian.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think at any one point, there's a few different ones that I'm kind of latching on to. Um, But the one that I'm digging right now is uh, a quote that says, make haste slowly. So basically, um, if you were to break it down, kind of means like, have urgency to do the things that you're like, tasked with doing. But, um, you know, don't rush because when you rush, that's when mistakes are made. And so it's basically the balance of like urgency and patience.
1: Beautiful. I love it. And I love your story, man. Uh, so the, the story behind how I came across bowl coffee, uh, doing some research, trying to find some great uh, province Rhode island people to make an example of. And I started reading this article about... I can't remember where or how I discovered Bullet Coffee, but uh, first of all, I mean, I loved your mission, your mission statement. Your your website pulled me in. I was like, all right, this, these guys are clean. They're, they're, they got their stuff together. And then I started reading these articles about how you started from a, a coffee, mobile coffee catering cart. And I feel like that is just so unique uh, to <clears throat> start where you can and to find a niche, uh, a, something that wasn't being done, and to create what the people didn't even know they needed you know it's like that whole like if henry ford like uh if he listened to his people he would have created faster horses but he created something that people didn't even know they needed the car uh and i kind of i just want to pull that story apart and kind of find out what you were thinking how you pulled it all together so how did you pull it all together let's go back to when you knew coffee was your passion
0: sure so um I guess if we zoom way back, I mean, I probably didn't know that coffee was my passion until after I was working in coffee for a while. Um, I was maybe like 18 or 19 at the time. And a friend of mine who is now my business partner in Bolt was working at a, a local roasting company in town. And, you know, for me, in my upbringing, coffee had always been like a real connector role. Okay. Uh, just in terms of like family and guests at our at our house uh, growing up, coffee was kind of like a medium to facilitate like connection. Yeah. So for me, that was really interesting and kind of the role that it played. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to learn more about it. And so I had asked my friend who um, was working at this, this company, you know, if there was any opportunity for a job. And so I got in there kind of at the, at the ground floor just like bagging roasted coffee and shipping it. Okay.
1: How old were you at this point? I was 18. Because you're a young dude.
0: Yeah. I was 18. You,
1: how old are you now? 32?
0: I'm
1: 26. 26. Why did I get 32? Yeah, okay. okay. Wow, man. That's okay. So, 18, eight years ago is like when you really started getting into it. So, when did the, the passion really start to build? Because at this point, it seems like it's just a job. You like coffee, but you're not really passionate about it. So, how did that passion evolve?
0: Um, I, I kind of worked my way. You know, through different arms of the company, it was a very kind of small business, maybe like 10, 15 employees and um, just kind of bopped around doing different stuff, just kind of like putting myself into it and um, ended up kind of like developing uh, some curriculum for some wholesale clients and, you know, starting new departments. Like I started uh, their tech department with another guy who's now running it. Um, my business partner, is, Todd and this I, this is the,
1: the previous company. You started the, the tech and what was the previous company again? It was called new harvest coffee. Okay, cool. So you kind of, uh, kind of like took over the, the marketing tech side or sorry, you just take it exactly. What were you doing?
0: Yeah, we, it was kind of a small business that was growing a bunch of different ways. And so there were okay. people spearheading different departments and I was doing a little bit of education for our wholesale clients and training. Um, as well as tech stuff, and I started the um, catering like event division for them uh, with my partner Todd. And after f- you know a year or so of doing that and really kind of getting a few things started from, you know conception to like launching and execution, um, Like I think that whole side of things is what really drove me. And so coffee is, you know, certainly something that I'm passionate about as like a, as like a medium, but for Mm -hmm. me, like hospitality and, and just making spaces are, it's kind of what, what really gets me going. And so I think during that time, like during maybe those two years that I was starting and executing stuff and, you know, just connecting a lot with people, I kind of realized that it's not so much coffee specifically that I love nerding out on. It's more about like this broader piece of, you know, bring people together, which I think, you know, the hospitality industry at its core is essentially about that.
1: Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. And I actually wrote mm-hmm. that down. You said coffee facilitates connection. Uh, and for me, uh, even when, like, when I was in college, I was always that kid that was throwing parties yeah. in post college. Like I was that kid that was having massive barbecues. We called it Catchapalooza, uh, you know, the Catchatory household. Okay. And we would just have people over. And, You know, I I would love that we would always cook and I, you know, I thought I was in love with cooking, but really what I love to do is bring people together Mm. for whatever reason and just have a good time. I I feel like that's something that's within you too. Is that safe to say? Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, so you started working at this coffee company. Uh, you took over, you spearheaded the tech, you you started doing the catering and did you see an opportunity? Was there like a massive demand for like specialized coffee at these events? Like what made you think like, okay, we need to break off and do our own thing. Like how did that come about?
0: Yeah. So I started, uh, the, the catering and events thing, uh, with my buddy Todd and, you know, after, I think it was maybe after a year or so, um, For whatever reason, the company that we were working at at the time decided to not like pursue this arm of the business. And we had just, you know, poured a bunch of time and energy and effort.
1: Oh, okay. 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 So you spearheaded this project. The company that you were working for when you were doing all the development, the research decided, no, like that's not going to be our jam. And then they kind of let you continue doing it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So we kind of, you know, asked if we could just continue doing it on the side because, you know, people were psyched about it and, yeah. you know, we still had energy to to push it kind of. Um, and so we did.
1: Cool. So did you see a market for this? Was there like a, a demand? Like talk us about why, like what kept you going with it? Was it just the fact that it was your baby or did you really see opportunity here?
0: I mean, to be honest, probably both. Um, yeah. You know, I think from a strictly numbers side, we should have, you know, at that time we should have like jumped overboard long before. But, you know, I think when you're doing something else and this is a project, you can kind of afford a little bit more to have it be slow or have it be.
1: Yeah. It was a side hustle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, But there was, you know, in our opinion, there was like appreciation for it and there was a market for it and there wasn't anybody really doing it um, around
1: us. Okay. So when did you break from this other company and go out on your own? Take us through that process.
0: So I think it was 2013, maybe, maybe March of 2013. Um, And we were doing regular pop-ups in different places while still maintaining like full-time job at this other spot. And it's kind of like, you know, a symptom of being like young and kind of reckless that, You know, we were popping up in different places around our city and my other business also had like wholesale clients that were doing coffee stuff in the city and we were kind of like stepping on toes a little bit.
1: When you say your other business, was this the company you were working for? Yeah. Okay. Not you didn't have a separate business going. This is the company that you were working for. Okay, cool. So you're stepping on toes with the other business. They started seeing you as a a threat or like, Hey guys, like not cool. Yeah. So pretty much
0: at that point we decided to kind of part ways. Um,
1: and how did that go?
0: Uh, it was kind of weird. It was kind of like a, you know, I was young and I was like a kid at the point at that point. So, you know, I was just doing what I thought was, was right. Kind of, um, tried to be above board about everything. Um,
1: Above board,
0: yeah, just kind of like what's, you know, kosher with everything. okay, um, okay, okay, and you know, my boss at the time was just like, yeah, no, it's not gonna work out. So, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so so, <clears throat> so I started, you know, at that point we were only doing, you know, a couple days a week, maybe, maybe weekends, maybe for like a couple hours.
1: So let's let's, let's backpedal a little bit. So your boss says it's not gonna work out not going to work out this side hustle that you got going on or you're not going to work out? I'm Did he gonna, fire you? Like yeah, what happened? I got
0: fired from that job.
1: Oh, really? Okay. So why? Like, let's, let's dive into that. If you don't mind, let's, let's
0: uh, get into the details. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't exactly know why I think that he was probably feeling pressure from some of his bigger wholesale clients. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he has got this young kid employee who's, you know, theoretically in a con, like conflict of interest type business that it was probably relatively easy for him to let me go.
1: Yeah. Okay, so he lets you can so did you start your own brand at this point? You were doing the same thing. I'm 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 assuming you were using their materials when you were doing the catering. So, uh how did you, you know, you build up some momentum under their umbrella and now you're cut off on your own. How did you keep that momentum going? Did you have to get some capital like what what went on there
0: yeah i mean so we like purchased all of the assets um from the business that i was working at previously prior to me leaving the company Um, okay and so at that point it was bolt coffee you know two separate brands i'm still working my day job at this other spot um but, you know, we were utilizing their product and bringing in other stuff from different roasters around the country. Um, so, at that point, it was kind of like, you know, you got the rug pulled out from under you. I had just gotten engaged to my now And Oh, man. And uh, so, it was just like a lot of stuff all going on at the same time. She really encouraged me to, like, just try it out. Like, try pushing it for like a year or so and see what happens.
1: And... Um, the separate brand after Yeah, after I got fired. You were okay, cool. So I'm curious, you said that you had two separate brands going. You had Bolt Coffee and I can't remember what the, the other name well, was probably raised. Yeah, it, to... it
0: wasn't it wasn't my brand. So
1: What about legalities though? Were you still operating legally under their license? Like they no nope. so you you, yeah, we started, you went out and you
0: Yeah, we like got a business license, got like a oh, cool. account, like all this other stuff. So we're...
1: you're your own business entity at this time yep. The time of this guy saying, All right, you go off and do your own thing.
0: Yeah, I think we organized legally as like an LLC in like January okay, smart. of 2012 or something like that.
1: <coughs> smart. Okay, so uh, I'm curious, one thing, I, uh, um, how much time elapsed from the time you started working here to the time you broke off and now you're fired? How old are you at this point?
0: Uh, I think I started Bolt when I was 21 years old. Or twenty, years. so maybe? three
1: years working with them. Yep. Um, you're 26 now. Let's do some math. Opened the the brick and mortar 2014, three years ago. 23. So you were doing catering for two years on your own before you got the brick and mortar.
0: Yep. So you know, prior to literally opening the brick and mortar, was probably six months or so of. It's actually a little bit shorter. It's probably like three or four months of like build out and like you know organizing our first spot to be open um but yeah i was maybe doing it on and off the the uh cart for you know maybe a year and a half there's a little bit of like supplemental you know side hustle type stuff to like keep the lights on but generally that was my my drive for that period
1: okay so what did these early so you said it was kind of a side hustle. Did you pick up another job? Were you working another job after you got fired plus doing the side hustle? Is that was, was that what was going on?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was doing like a bunch of different stuff just to like keep this thing going and pay my bills, kind of thing. So I was, okay. like, painting so, and like, you know, doing all okay. this other random stuff.
1: So what was your drive? <laughs> what was it about this business that kept you? tied to it why did you want to keep pushing what was the the vision at this point like did you have a plan like what did you want to make it did you know it was going to be a brick and mortar like what was going through your mind
0: yeah i mean our goal you know for me events are kind of fun just because it's like creating something new every time but you know the way that we were set up like we didn't have any money we didn't have any like infrastructure for like housing stuff or really transporting stuff efficiently and like we both lived in the city and so you know, parking stuff places is just like a real pain in the ass. So for me, probably like six months in, I was like realizing that this is not sustainable for me at least. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at that point we started looking for a retail space and it was like, you know, this is the direction we need to go or we need to disband it and just kind of give up on it.
1: Sorry if you guys can hear Mm -hmm. that uh, belief blower I live in a condo and I feel like the rain has been crazy this year. They're at my house like every day mowing the lawn. So I apologize if you guys can hear that. Uh, It is what it is. So, um, okay. Six months into it, you realize that you need to scale, you need to grow or won't be sustainable. So what things, where was your attention? What was your game plan? Like, what were you, what were you struggling with during this time?
0: Uh, what was I struggling with? Damn. Um, yeah, I mean, I think part of it was, you know, I'm young, didn't come from like businessy sort of situation, you know, didn't go to college. So I, I feel like I didn't have a lot of resources, um, you know, in my, in my headspace to just be pulling from in terms of, oh, this is how you do this. This is how you raise yeah. capital. Like, this is how you, you know, write a proper business plan. So a lot of this stuff I learned kind of on the fly, but That's awesome. Um,
1: can, like, where were you going? Were you just like researching it online? Were there any resources you were going to blog? Like people you were following? Like how did you learn this stuff?
0: I mean, the internet's a real powerful thing. You can yeah, learn pretty is. much anything you want to learn on the internet if you have enough drive. Um, but for me, you know, we were looking for a small space. I wanted a space just to like go to every day where there's not so many variables where you don't have to create from zero every time, you know, a little bit more stability, a little bit more predictable revenues. That's all I wanted. So that's what we were looking for at the time. Um, My business partner, Todd, you know, since its conception has been working, you know, a full-time day job elsewhere. So, you know, a lot of it was just me like, Getting stuff done. Um, okay. So during this time when we we're looking for space, you know, we looked at a lot of different spots. The thing we were struggling with most probably was like just straight up money. Like neither of us had any money. We, I think we both, to start the business, we both put in like $3,500 or something like that. Wow.
1: So you're rocking $7,000 uh, oh, to awesome. get this thing going. Um, so, I think that's the beauty, and the reason why I was so drawn to your story is that people who get into this industry, they come in with money. Sometimes they maybe have like their full time gig, and they've always had the passion, that dream of opening a restaurant. They, they get into this space, this massive space, um, and they don't leave themselves enough operation ca- operating cash, like in case things don't go well, and they get into this situation where they have this beast of a restaurant that's not making any money because they just took off took on too much whereas y- your situation where you're forced to be lean cuz you don't have any money so you start small you fuck up when you're young you figure all the shit out when you have not that much to lose like how far how hard is it to bounce back from $7,000 but you scale gradually you evolve gradually over, over time as a professional and i feel like that's just the way to go starting small so how did you get the additional capital what What things did you have to do for, to take it from that mobile catering cart to your brick and mortar like how did you get backed up
0: so, Not much to be honest so I think you know Providence is a very small city and it you know it's beneficial- it's it kind of has its pros and its cons, so it's small so everybody knows what everybody's doing okay um And so that can be a blessing and a curse, but, you know, as we were just looking for space and bouncing around and talking to different people and like having an Instagram and stuff like that, um, you know, kind of faking it until we make it sort of situation. um, We bumped into uh, some folks who were developing uh, the space that we opened at the hotel and they were, you know, they really wanted some sort of like cafe coffee type concept in the lobby They were, like, trying to repurpose a utility closet to be, like, the coffee bar. And it was, like, the perfect size for us to be just, like, dumping all the stuff that we had already into this space. And so, like, our capital outlay for that space was maybe, like, another three grand each or something like that. So, we really didn't have much to outlay obviously we ran it like super lean like i worked that space every day seven days a week like 12 hours a day for the first like seven months of its operation so you know
1: obviously too much but um, but that's within, the other beauty of starting small, though, is that you can do it by yourself yeah. if you have to. Whereas if you were to open a restaurant, that's like a say a fifty or sixty or seventy seat restaurant, like you literally you can. can't yeah. do that by yourself. Like you need other people. But w- the way you're going, you start small. Y- you you make it so you can manage it yourself. And over time you bring more people on, then you develop those people, you recreate them, like you imprint yourself onto them and then slowly grow over time. I'm curious, where are you at now? Are you, you're still in the same space, right? But have you grown further. Have you kind of like bled out of that, like utility closet and you're like more in the lobby now? Like what's the situation?
0: Yeah. So um, we opened that space in January, 2014 um, and in like April maybe, or July, we started talking with um, the director at the art museum in town. Um, And so a year ago, so June, 2016, we opened up a second space at uh, the Rizzi art museum. So we've we've been there for a little over a year, but prior to that, um, we, we had, you know, three employees, including myself. So I guess like two employees and me, um, and now we're at, I think we have 15 total
1: employees. Beautiful. Um, I mean, it, it, it seems really small scale. And uh, that's kind of why I was really drawn to you because uh, I think we have this concept. People in this industry are such big dreamers. They just try to go too big too soon. And if you know what you're passionate about, if you know, you carve out that niche and you just show up every day uh, and make it so you can manage it and just slowly just gradually grow over time. The other I mean, the other thing I want to talk about too is you're kind of also developing a little bit of a a tribe around your business too, right? Getting the word out there, building your reputation, people were coming to you with opportunities, which is I think another cool thing too. Really dive into what you think you were doing that opened up these opportunities to you. Why people came to you and like what made you somebody that was uh I don't know, of value, I guess.
0: You know, part of me likes to think that it's because, um, you know, people are really latching on to, like, our mission of our business, which is to just kind of create regular, genuine spaces that are, like, without pretension for people to just kind of come together.
1: When did that mission come into, in, like, onto the scene for you? How long has that been your mission?
0: Uh, it's been our mission for a long, since the beginning. Um, Okay. Just recently, we've kind of like more formalized it, which is to kind of like inspire community through hospitality.
1: Um, So awesome, dude. So somebody has no education, no college degree, um, discovers the power of having a mission driven business. Where did you learn about the power of having a mission to back up your company to be the driving force that will attract on? greatness to you like where did you know like how did you know instinctually that mission driven companies succeed Uh, I think I
0: learned that after the fact Um, but I think I was just young and naive and you know thought that if I just had a great idea people would find it Um, and in a small city that happens Um, but I think after the fact I read something about like the the golden circle or like the why or something. Basically the idea that, you know, you're selling your why before the what, um, mm-hmm. kind of like the difference between Apple and like Dell or something like that. Um, yeah. because I think if you can tap into somebody's like emotions, mm-hmm. like you bypass a lot of other stuff and, you know, for us as a business, our goal is to just be connecting with people. Um, cause I think that there's a lack of that or a lack of like genuine connection. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of, you know, social media and that sort of thing. But I think increasingly people are just like lonely, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, so your mission is to kind of put an end to that.
0: Inspire community (laughs) through hospitality.
1: I love it, man. Um, so I'm curious, like, one of the things i'm doing with the podcast i'm trying to get people who are crushing it right now going through the steps right now growing right now cuz those those pains are real right now and it's fresh right now so you can really speak to those things right now so right now going from 3 employees to 15 employees in the past you know year and a half has it been you said what have, what have been your biggest challenges right now and how, like like if, first like what were your biggest challenges
0: well, I think our biggest challenges initially are, like, shit, how are we going to grow 300% and, like, maintain the same culture that's, like, a core tenant of our business? You know, we built our yeah. business on, like, this super intimate hotel lobby where it's one person working and he knows everybody. To um, so how are you going to grow it to 15 people and kind of, like, maintain that same Intimacy. Yeah, and like corporate... Or not corporate culture, but like just like the same vibe that you get when you walk in the door.
1: Dude, I love your story right now because it's like... I love how you think that like 15 people is like... You're worried from going like 1 to 15 because you don't want to dilute that essence of your mojo, your soul. And you're still really small. But but the the point is, it's like... It's so great. It (laughs) is, but it's so great that you, you recognize and you haven't lost sight of what makes you special. And I think that's what hurts a lot of brands they, they get so focused on growth and getting as big as possible they lose sight of that that essence and you're only you're going from like two to three to 15 and even at that that scale you're like oh no like i don't want to lose what made me special when i was just one person mm. don't ever lose that like you know it, it's so valuable so how what are you doing to to make sure that this essence stays fresh with these new people you brought on
0: Yes, I think right now, you know, it's always hard to kind of quantify exactly what makes you you or kind of like what makes the business attractive. So what we did before we even expanded to, you know, 15 employees or whatever was, you know, I kind of chatted with a few of our regulars that were coming in casually and it was kind of just like, hey, you come here like a lot. You can go to a bunch of different places. Like, why do you come here? Yeah. Um, and you know these were like candid conversations that people felt like they could you know really answer and a lot of it was just like either they felt known or something about the space made them feel like you know that it was approachable and that it was kind of like um, you know accessible obviously we have like a very like high touch specialty coffee it's expensive it's like you know a little bit alienating sometimes to people but um you know our goal is to serve like super awesome coffee because a bunch of our folks on our team are like stoked on that and the piece that i'm stoked about that everybody else is also excited about is just like being approachable and like being accessible to people and so a lot of that comes down to like just straight up customer interactions
1: Okay. How do you teach that? How do you, how are you teaching this with your people? How do you, I mean, that's, it seems like intuitive, but like, what things are you doing to make sure your staff is approachable and uh, there for your, your guests?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm still learning how to teach this and like, you know, teaching a crew of people is a serious task. You know, I don't think that I'm necessarily like a teacher by nature. Um, but That just means I have to work, like, twice as hard. Um, But a lot of what I've learned is, like, uh, you know, for us, as baristas, we're, like, standing behind a a counter a lot. and Bartenders, I'm sure, experience the same thing. And, um, you know, when there's, like, a physical divide between you and the customer, you know, a lot of what I try to do is kind of, like, open up the opportunity to like rewrite an experience in somebody's brain. So from the beginning, kind of my, my kind of vision was to, or my thought process, and I don't even know if it's accurate, but when somebody goes into a space, especially like a coffee shop, they, you know, they kind of expect the same series of events to happen. Um, And because our offering was different, And we wanted our experience to be different. I figured that we had to kind of like break a link in that chain kind of early on in order to have them notice everything else. And so, you know, one of the first things that happens when you walk into like a conventional coffee shop is um, you kind of walk in the door, look up and above to the menu. The first thing that you expect somebody to say is like, hi, what can I get for you today? And so... From my angle, I wanted to, like, rewrite that whole script in in order to open up this connection piece that could happen later on. Um, And so for us, we didn't have overhead menus. And the first question that we asked people was, like, hey, what are you you up to today? Um, So it maybe adds, like, a couple seconds per transaction, but when when it kind of clicks for somebody, it just opens up the whole new experience. And so when you Mm. can when you can make a new experience for us, it makes business sense because people will come back because they remember it because it's different.
1: So you don't have a menu at all. We do. Or but is it's it- like
0: kind of flat on the table?
1: Okay. So it, it forces people's eyes to go down and, and to engage with the, the person that's working. But you also make it a point to be the first person to open up dial the dialogue. And you ask, Hey, like, what are you up to today?
0: Yeah, exactly. So there's- oh, that's cool, man. So there's, uh, you know, kind of like the verbiage of what you say. And, uh, and you know, we work with our people to make sure that it's authentic and you're not just spewing off like a scripted line. But, you know, something that's personal, genuine to you, and just kind of like is like, hey, cool, we're just two people. What's happening? Um, yeah. The other thing is like posturing. Posturing is like super important.
1: Um, what is posturing?
0: Uh, just like how you're standing, your body language, you know, what kind of things are you saying without saying anything. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I learned that with me when I was working there uh, at our first spot, like seven days a week. And, you know, you get slammed and you're just like in the weeds. And if nobody knows that you're stressed out or that something's wrong, like everybody is just so much happier. But if you're stressed and you're closed off, like, uh, with your body language and rushing around and like going crazy. Like it makes somebody waiting in line for three minutes or five minutes or whatever. Also kind of like anxious and like, Oh, something's not right here. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I should be waiting in this
1: line. So what do you train when you, like, how do you train this to your staff? Like, give us a lesson right now as if you're training it to your staff.
0: Um, we're still developing like our exact training (laughs) protocol because our first one's, uh, I think we just assumed that people would latch on. But, you know, for me, a lot of it is like, you know, standing relatively casually, but open, kind of Mm -hmm. like you're meeting a friend. So, Mm. like you recognize them. I like to kind of like skip ahead a couple interactions to be like, hey, what's up, man? It's kind of like, oh, like I already know you kind of thing. Um, Awesome. Like facial. Stuff for me, it's like I use this word, kind eyes, just kind of like, you know, not so aggressive smile. A smile bit. with your eyes. Yeah.
1: I love it. I always say it all the time. When I mean, there's a difference between a fake smile and a real smile. And the a, a real smile, you can see the difference. People are smiling with their eyes. They're looking. their Their eyes are lots to your eyes, and it's if you can think of just trying to smile with your oh, eyes, yeah. it's a totally different smile.
0: And it makes a huge but, impact, to be honest. Um the other thing is like the verbiage. So it's like coming up with the, you know, a relatively unique saying to you that, you know, works for you. Um, you know, for me, it was, uh, so what's going on today or like what's going on your, this afternoon or like, you know, what's on your agenda this morning. Um, and it kind of opens up an opportunity to build a conversation mm-hmm. that's not even about the product. um, you know, because at the end of the day, we're selling coffee and we're selling like pastries. Um, well, but technically, we're trying to connect the, people.
1: Yeah. The product is the experience. The product is what they feel when they come to you. And if they, I mean, that's what we're selling at the end of the day is those experiences. And the experience that people are getting when they come to you is an experience of this person cares about me. It's about, you know, you're, 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 Taking an interest in your guests, and really at the end of the day, all we we want is to be acknowledged, to be yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, people want it. We want to know that we're cared about. Yeah, we and want that's to what you're selling. Yeah, and it has to be genuine too, which is what you're doing. Um, so right now, what would you say your biggest challenge is? If you could like, if you're currently challenging with you know or face with a challenge now, like what would that be?
0: Um, I think understanding like the seasonality of our business, specifically our second location. Um, okay. you know, we're one full year in and, you know, the first year is kind of like a wash in terms of, um, you know, any success or failure that you had the first year, you kind of don't know if it's actually a cycle mm-hmm. or not. So we've made it through our first year. and Now we're kind of like in the summer months and our second location is, you know, in the heart of like a college neighborhood. Um, and so for us it's, it's building foot traffic in the summer without like a stable population. Um, so, I mean, it's a relatively small challenge, I guess in the grand scheme of things, but also, um, we've kind of challenged ourselves to like hit marks according to our growth. Uh, goals as like a leadership team um and so if we want to be hitting these goals in like you know one three and five years like if we break all those down like what does that mean for us like this month and this quarter um and so you know for me personally it's just like learning how to do business stuff as I go
1: uh, that 's huge though, what you just share with us is something i don 't think enough <clears throat> business owners do they 're much more reactive. they just wake up every day and they just react to the world, whereas you have that one year goal like here 's where we want to be in a year, and then you break it up to quarters to months, you know, and you really give yourself mini goals to hit to make sure you're staying on track to that ultimate goal. And there's a lesson in that. Uh, where did you learn about the the value of, you know, setting those, those goals or breaking those goals up? Where was that lesson?
0: Uh, I don't know if it was any one place. I think one time I have like a really bad habit of like starting like a book or something and just like not ever finishing it. (laughs) So I think maybe I, I think I read a book, uh, that book, getting things done by, um, I think David Allen, um, okay, which I mean his whole thing is basically about you know getting stuff out of your brain and like onto like an action list. Um, and so one of his points was like if you have a one year goal or like you know a five year goal, like what it what are the steps, the like physical milestones or like actionable items that you need to be doing to to like get there? Because five years is going to go by whether you intentional or not intentional. Yep. And you're going to end up wherever you're going kind of thing. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess probably that informed a lot of that. Beautiful.
1: All right, man. So we're at almost 40 minutes of recording time now. Uh, before we go to the speed record, <laughs> I want to get a time where you fell hard on your ass. Tell me about a time you guys failed, you and your business partner failed and take us through that. And then what you learned,
0: uh, I would say probably the hardest time was when, um, so aside from bolt, we also have this, um, another business that we opened up last year called need donuts. Um, it's a donut shop in Providence. Um, we have another partner in that business, but that one for us was more of like a big expansion. Um, just across every asset i mean uh facet of the business um and so for us you know we had done our business plan we had figured out what we needed um we thought about you know we raised our capital according to it and we just did a couple things backwards and like we raised. You can't
1: just you can't just say we did a couple of things backwards. No, uh, you gotta well, we dive We raised into <laughs> all of our
0: money according to what we thought. Okay. Like an, our build out quotes came back a certain amount, and then we and they were like really premature. And so then we raised all of our money and then we got new estimates for our build out and it was like five times as expensive.
1: Oh man. So, so how'd you raise that capital? I'm curious. How I'm I mean, this is not really. This kind of a tangent to, but it's a great question because a lot of us need to find out how to get that capital. How did you do it?
0: So we started with the same sort of idea, which was like, let's start with what we're doing and why, or why we're doing and what kind of thing. Um, And then we said, all right, cool. Wrote a business plan that was, you know, appropriate and conservative and like realistic. And at the end of the day, investors, for the most part understand that all business plans are just like puff numbers you know yeah it's all theoretical and you know some of it's informed by reality but also some of it is like totally guessing um and so what people are investing in is like the people and their like ability to push through hard times and you know do the right thing um so we found i think at the end of the day 12 uh like class b investors so we maintain like full creative and uh like managerial type executions So
1: okay. you have an an operational agreement that says this? Yep. So smart, beautiful. And um okay. Keep so going.
0: we found 12 people, most of them like friends and family and friends of friends kind of thing to invest a bunch of money into the business um and then our quote you know, we were maybe expecting like seventy or $80,000 for Build-Out. And it came in at like two hundred and twenty or something like that. So maybe oh, it wasn't wow. exactly five times. But it felt like that to us. <laughs> so there was this point where it was the three uh, like Class A partners, me, Todd, and this dude, Adam, sitting in Todd's living room, just like looking at this number that came back to us. And it's like, dude how do we get past this? Like, do we just give everybody their money back? We already spent some of it. Like, how do we, we can't raise more money. Um, And it was like a super bleak outlook. And I was just like, all right, well, let's just figure it out. So we like went line by line on this dude's uh, build out budget and like, either cross stuff off or save stuff for next year or, you know, did the bare minimum. We did like so much of that work ourselves. Um, and just because we had to, you know, we couldn't pay somebody to tile the floor. So we had to do it. We couldn't pay somebody to, you know, paint or do sheetrocking or, you know, basically all the non-trade work. We were just like, well, we can't afford it. So we have to do it
1: you got youtube yeah
0: exactly it's like how to yeah. build this wall with metal studs
1: <laughs> well first dude just congratulations for having that mentality of let's just do it because so so often people like like your business partners said what we, we we can't do this and when you say you can't do it your mind shuts off it stops working and you accept that as the answer it's like this is impossible yep. but when you say let's just figure it out How can we do it? Like when you ask yourself, how can we make this possible? It's amazing what your mind will do to get creative, to find ways to push that back to, well, maybe we don't need all this right now. Like what can we start with right now? You guys started with a catering, like a a coffee catering cart. Like, you know, you don't need all those things right forward. Like what do we need right now? How can we make this possible? And how can we just get creative? And when you, when you turn your mind on like that, like anything is possible. Uh, So beautiful. I Um, think,
0: you know speaking to that is especially when somebody's opening up a restaurant or like a you know some sort of like hospitality concept a lot of times you don't know if it'll it'll take off so you have to figure out like what is a non-negotiable day one because the difference between that and like the stuff that you need versus the stuff that you want like that's a sometimes a lot of money in between that mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, for us with the donut shop, at least, which was like our biggest capital expenditure was, we don't even know if people are going to like believe in this business. So why don't we invest again later, like another 50 grand or a hundred grand or something like that. And after we know that people are already into it, as opposed to doing this on the front end and saying, well, we think that they'll appreciate this little aspect of it, or we think that our business will work in this way, or you know, guests will interact in it in this way.
1: So I'm curious what what's the name? Of, I I have to be honest, I'm kind of <clears throat> embarrassed to admit this. I didn't know that the the, the coffee or the donut shop, shop was in the equation. So what's the name of that donut shop?
0: It's called Need Donuts. K N D A D.
1: So you're not a baker you don't have donut experience right so how did this opportunity even come to you i mean we're kind of this was, first of all <laughs> do we ever finish the this do you finish the story about your biggest failure or i asked you to kind of talk about the money did we ever come back to what the original point you wanted to make i'm really bad about jumping around <laughs> <there>. <laughs> No, <me too>. so <laughs> uh,
0: yeah no I, I guess for us like the point was just pushing through like a point of where things looked really bleak and just like figuring out and getting it
1: done it wasn't a failure though i want to you know yeah you might have been off with your your projections maybe that was your failure is not having accurate projections but dude the way you pulled that off man was a success so yeah so maybe
0: i haven't had like severe failures um
1: no, it's we don't have to go any deeper, man. Like sometimes we, we see failures. Uh that, that was a mini failure, but you show you shared with us how you got past it. Uh by staying buoyant, by staying positive, by asking yourself how can we make this work? Uh so you definitely went there, uh, but you, you turned it into a success. Uh and I just want to make sure we went full circle on that part of the story before I asked you yeah, about yeah, sure. uh the the donut part of your company. How How did that come about? How did you all of a sudden have a baker and do all that? Like, did they come to you? Did you go to them? Like, talk us through that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, started with this idea before we even opened the first Bolt location. So it was like maybe 2014 or something like that. Um, and just kind of had seen it be a thing in like other major cities and like tertiary Mm -hmm. cities around the country. And, you know, for us, it's a small market, but, Mm -hmm. there was like nobody doing this at the time in our area. And so it was like, Oh, we could totally do this. Like, I have no idea how to bake, but (laughs) you know, we'll just get somebody who does kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so the idea evolved over, you know, two years to bringing on, um, kind of like an industry friend of ours, this guy, Adam had worked at a bakery as a general manager for the past, like 15 or so years, um, he was ready for a change at that time. Like everything kind of lined up and the idea became much bigger than, you know, I had initially thought. Um, so we brought him on to kind of like handle the daily operations.
1: Uh, was he a partner or was he he's an employee? a partner? Yeah. Okay, cool.
0: Um, and then, uh, we found like another key, uh, player in our head baker. Uh, her name's weatherly. She's like crushing it in the kitchen. Um, So Adam's kind of got like operations, Weatherly's got all the products. um, And I just kind of helped get everything kind of started and build the culture a little bit and did all the marketing and branding and design and that kind of thing.
1: Beautiful. All right. Awesome. I think we can go uh, to the break now. I'll take a break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right We've all been there. I'm sure you have been. Uh, just going through that stack of menus every night, pulling out the nasty, soiled, expensive pieces of paper, putting them aside, throwing them away. God, it's so frustrating. It, this is a line item that just gets the best of us. It destroys our budget, and people are so freaking dirty. It's like, ah. Anyway, what if I told you that I discovered a piece of paper that's rip proof and waterproof? 100% rip proof and waterproof. This stuff is so durable. It's what the military uses to print their navigational maps and charts on. Like they trust this stuff. And now they're printing menus on it. Head over to terraslatepaper.com to learn more. Guys, I'm telling you, this stuff is durable. I've seen the owner, Kyle Ewing. Throw this menu through a dishwasher to prove its durability. Again, TeraslatePaper.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-S-L-A-T-E-Paper.com. And if you use promotional code UNSTOPPABLE, you will save 15% on your first order. Get after it. Yo, guys, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely a restaurant or bar owner who wants to be a better leader, who wants to make more money, who wants to be more successful, who wants to work smarter, not harder, and you just want to be great, which means you know you can never stop educating yourself. If that sounds like you, and you want to learn how to attract more new customers and get a competitive edge over your competition, sounds pretty good, right? Then you need to listen to this message. You got to listen. Just ready for it. Here it is. Leading industry expert, Nick Fosberg and past guest of Restaurant Unstoppable wrote what I believe to be the best how to book on attracting new customers and creating highly profitable promotions on a shoestring budget. And because you're Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, he's going to give you this book not for $30 on Amazon, but you're getting it for free. Yeah free go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy again that's freebrsbook.com get your free copy while supplies last we're back and the first question i have for you brian is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success
0: Uh, i think kind of knowing what matters to me and like sticking to those things
1: beautiful like your the core values man you gotta have them i love it uh what's your biggest weakness
0: uh my biggest weakness i think is um just not addressing confrontation sometimes even when it needs to be done so so
1: go ahead go ahead
0: uh, just like putting stuff off and then when i put stuff off it just gets worse kind of thing
1: so when there's issues uh, with team members, basically confrontation among team members, you kind of don't interject soon enough. You let it boil up. You let it kind of get too uh, out of control.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it's like minor type issues. But, you know, for me, I really like people and I like to make people feel OK. And so I that means like sometimes not making <laughs> yeah. people feel uncomfortable, even though that's like the best and most responsible thing to be doing.
1: So give me an example where somebody's like not doing the job well, or maybe if you have to like fire somebody or like,
0: yeah, exactly. And so just having like, you know, I don't like to make people uncomfortable. Um, and so for instance, let's say somebody's not executing a task in the way or to the standard that I want it to be executed. I'll kind of just like look at it, not address it. And then like either fix it myself or, you know, kind of just be disgruntled about it when, you know, for in reality, the most appropriate thing would be to like teach them how to do it differently mm-hmm. and to not get like pissed about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So absolutely. That, I would say that that's probably my biggest weakness.
1: Cool. Well, it sounds like you, you're recognizing it and you also have the solution. You're just working on it, which is all great stuff. So, uh, what is one piece of advice you have on leadership?
0: One piece of advice I would have on leadership is I think developing um, like a spirit of empathy, at least for me, is like super important. And in the in the leaders that I've known that have been really effective, um, the ones that are kind of like empathetic to the position of the other. So shit
1: hits the fan and instead of being like, dude, what the hell? are you doing, I'm angry. Like, okay, why did the shit hit the fan? Like what happened? Let me learn about your situation and see if there's a reason that this all happened. Maybe it's my fault. Um, yes. Is that what I'm hearing? Like really?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think even a lot of times before anything hits any fan, you know, (laughs) you can prevent a lot of that stuff from happening. Um, you know, just being an approachable, empathetic human being, I Mm -hmm. think, makes a great leader, you know, somebody who obviously will take charge if they need to. But uh, I think empathy and like empowering people ends up kind of broadening what you can even do as a sole Mm. person.
1: I dig it. Uh, (laughs) What is one question you ask during the interview process or maybe a thing you're looking for a quality you're looking for in people you're hiring?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, this is a question that like we would like to ask going forward that I think we maybe didn't ask initially, but just kind of like distilling and getting past a lot of like the surfacey type responses that come in an interview um, is to just figure out if your values align with our values, um, and so some of the things that we would ask would be like all right cool like what are like some personal or professional goals that you have for the next like you know one to two years you know a lot of times the folks are a little bit younger um but and then to follow up later with like cool like what are you doing when you're not like working your day job and like if what they're doing has nothing to do with what their goals are Mm. it's kind of like well okay so how's your work ethic Um, yeah and i think just kind of getting to the outside of what you're professionally doing like what are you doing on like a human level um for us hits a lot of bases and kind of like filters out a lot of people
1: i love oh sorry keep going i thought you were done no
0: i was gonna say you know our business is coffee and like food service and that kind of thing um And you can train anybody to do that sort of stuff, but you can't really train somebody to be like a good worker or Mm -hmm. a nice person or like, you know, those kind of like X factor type qualities. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. One thing I love about that question about, you know, what's your vision for yourself in two years or where do you want to be? And what I've learned studying all these incredibly successful people is that, they invest in their people. They they want to see that pe- that person get ahead. They want to see that person reach their goal. And if you can see any kind of symmetry or like paralleling paths where you can help them reach that goal, like you can serve them, uh, if you can serve your team, if you can serve your employees, your inner guests, uh, they will appreciate you. They will stick around longer. But if they're on a path that makes it easier for you, like if their goal is to be a a master barista or like, you know, like maybe a partner of the company and open another location with you. Like if you can help them reach those goals, like that, that relationship is going to be so much better. Oh yeah. No, totally.
0: Um, like, yeah, a tenant of our business is to kind of like empower our employees. And for me, you know, I don't necessarily think that I deserve all the accolades that I get sometimes, but Like it kind of has put me in a position to have different resources, whether it's, uh, opportunity in business or like, you know, not right now yet money, but like maybe someday, but, uh, for me, one of my biggest goals is to just use this tool to kind of like further what the mission is, um, And so that's like building community. And sometimes community means not just our business. So, yeah, it's like if you're a part-time employee, like we do like a 401k match, even though like we're probably not like business ready to do that, but that's like an important piece of our business. And so we sacrifice profits and the bottom line to like better our people. If- you gotta
1: give. You gotta give before you get though. And people don't get that. They they wanna get before they give. And honestly, if you're gonna attract on the best, if you're gonna have these incredible people, you've got to give first. And it's gonna hurt early on. It's gonna be tight. It's gonna be yeah. lean. But when you take care of your people and they know that you're there for them, like you will get that back some way, some form in the future. I love it, dude. Um all right, so what's one thing you do really well besides food and drink that you believe contributes to the success of your restaurant?
0: Uh, I think it's like the human connection piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something that we really push hard and, you know, we really try to impress that on our employees and our team members. Um, Just connecting with people, you know, you see a lot of the same people every day. And if you don't know your, their name, like that's just weird, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. I dig it. Um, Okay. So one book, that's a must read. That'll make us a better person. Or restaurant professional, cafe professional, and it's okay if you haven't finished the book. You can still share it.
0: Uh, for me, the, <laughs> that getting things done book was really um, informative. Obviously, I haven't finished reading it yet, but uh, you know, I think at least for me, and I think that this is kind of like symptomatic across some hospitality folks. Is like. When you're the owner-operator or the chef-owner kind of thing and you're just like running everything, there's so many things that need your attention or that you think need your attention. And so this kind of like helps you to filter it out and get that like weight of or like the burden of thought just off your plate. You can think with okay. a little bit more clarity. So getting things done uh, that Simon Sinek book leaders eat last. I think it was called
1: dude. I have to read that. It's been on my read list forever. Uh, what was your biggest lesson from that book? Um,
0: I think it, a piece of it was like empathy and also empowerment. Um, I don't think all of it applies to the hospitality industry. I think it's a little bit more corporate focused, but you know, I think the idea of like cultivate cultivating like healthy leadership in your team is just super critical. You know, I can only do so much. And so if I want this thing to get to as big as I want it to get to, like I Dude. have to make
1: <laughs> many leaders that become you, big leaders. Oh man. I love where you're going right now. Um, The whole idea. So I'm reading, I'm a huge fan of Ari Weinswag. Uh I make it no secret and I'm reading his book right now. Hold on one second. I'll go grab it. All right right here uh he has a series of books this one can you see it an anarchist approach to uh becoming a better fill in the blank and this one is being a better leader and in this in this (laughs) book about leadership he talks about creating a company of leaders where the the idea that there is no one leader we're all leaders and you create that company of leaders where people every one of your employees is thinking like a leader and that's kind of you're saying that in a different way but talk to us why that is so important having a company full of leaders and what that does for your business.
0: Well, I think when the business is focused on growing or in a phase of growing, um, for everything to hinge on one person just gets so it takes, it takes your ability to focus on the growth and on the development almost completely away. And you're just managing, Mm -hmm. um, and when you kind of create a culture of leadership in your business at least in my experience it's you almost don't have to worry as much about micromanaging every aspect of mm-hmm. it i think a lot of it is Absolutely. like giving up control a lot of people who start a business like are type a and they want to manage every little aspect but when you kind of like let go a little bit and let somebody else take it and run with it like you are allowing your business to grow more than it could have if you were to just Absolutely.
1: like now okay i'm recording now guys sorry about that we just had a technical difficulty uh we got disconnected and uh <laughs> our boy brian is going to pick back up where he left off we apologize
0: so yeah i think by by allowing um yourself to give up a little bit of control your you're um, allowing your business to grow in ways that it couldn't have otherwise, um, and in ways that you know you might not have anticipated.
1: Yeah, and, and one other thing, I just want to like throw onto this. You said uh, that basically it, by having a company of leaders, you're able to give up that control, and you're allowing the company to grow in ways that wouldn't have been able to. But you're also a company of leaders. You're it takes work to get to that point, but you're also enabling people to you're teaching them values. You're teaching them how to think you're teaching them. I mean, that's all culture, like core values, how, how to make decisions and why to make certain decisions. Like these are skills that you're, you know, putting, giving to young people that they'll be able to use those skills, you know, going throughout the rest of their life. I mean, that's what being a leader is, is lifting other people up to your, to your standard, to your level of excellence.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, it's also, you know, I think a lot of it depends on what type of culture you're trying to build. And, you know, for us and a lot of other businesses, um, you know, the, the focus is on collaborating and um, you know, not going it alone. Um, And so I, I think that, you know, by enabling people and by bringing people up, and sometimes they're not, you know, they're not always younger than you, and they're not always, you know, kids, but, you know, I believe in, you know, for this business, what I'm trying to do is to to just give opportunity and to create opportunity, and, you know, the thing I have at my disposal is the business, to some degree, and if I can, if the business and myself can play a part in, in betterment of other people and by extension, like our community and, you know, the people that we're impacting with our business, then, you know. That success in my book.
1: I dig it, man. All right. We can move on to the next question. And that is, what is one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant and how has it influenced your operations, made it more profitable, made it more efficient, improved communication? All right. Go for it.
0: Um, I can't necessarily speak to the profitability piece because I don't know if it's you know truly made it more profitable. But I think in terms of you know, touching on the communication piece. We use a uh, program called Slack. Um, that's basically just team communication. So it, it's kind of like email, but more conversational. Um, and we use it across different departments and different channels. And, you know, it's, you can search the historical content of different conversations super quick. Um, And for us, it's also allowed us to create boundaries with like personal and professional type communication where, you know, I don't want to be necessarily texting or calling uh, team members on personal time. Um, And so Slack has been like a super helpful and efficient way for us to communicate as a team.
1: Yeah, uh, awesome. That's a, 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 like the third or fourth time that platform's been recommended and something I definitely have to look more into. Uh, anything else you're leveraging that you want to mention before we move on to the next question?
0: Uh, we also use Trello. Um, T-R-E-L-L-O. I think there's a Trello Slack integration, which makes it even more efficient. But uh, Trello is essentially a shared to-do list Um, and you can, you know, share different folks in your team on different, um, Trello cards or tasks or projects or whatever, and kind of all updated in real time. So you can, you know, you can kind of assign, you know, the next step for a certain project or,
1: you know, give us, give us an example. Sorry. Give us an example of what kind of project you guys use this for.
0: Uh, sometimes we'll use it for, um, Events where you know there's a specific checklist that needs to be accomplished in order for the event to go smoothly, and so you can kind of delegate certain tasks to certain people and kind of see where everything is and where everybody else is kind of in real time. So, um,
1: so it allows you to basically work on one project remotely in different spots but have everybody working in the same space,
0: exactly and kind of be working on the same thing as well. <clears throat> um, so we use it for event based stuff, but then also <clears throat> uh, we'll use it for just general general tasks. So let's say you know there's a a meeting or an agenda or you know coming out of a meeting, <clears throat> out of a leadership meeting, there'll be certain you know tasks that each member will have kind of like on their plate um and so it can be updated and stuff can be moved around and or redelegated to different people and it just kind of kind of like takes the checklist off the paper and puts it onto the internet awesome. which seems to be the way that things are going
1: slack and trello i'll have those in the show notes this is episode three. Oh, what episode is it and so head over to dot slash three, five, seven to find links to those tools and those books that are recommended. And with all the knowledge now, if you could go back in time, Brian Gibb and give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be?
0: Um, <clears throat> I think it would be to work smart and hard. Um, I think a lot of times when I was first setting up the business or first starting out, it was, you know, a lot of hustle and a lot of like inefficient energy spent sometimes, you know, sometimes it was totally necessary because I was the only one doing it and just stuff had to get done. But, you know, I think when you're just constantly putting out fires, you're, you know, you end up spending more time than you need to, you end up spending more money than you need to burning up way more like mental energy and it's just like not the good way to go (laughs) but there's also you know the hustle is is required you know so you do have to you do have to work hard you have to put in you know the time energy and effort to get something off the ground
1: yeah man especially early on and i love that you said to work smart and hard and not work smart not hard because the truth is in this industry man smart isn't enough and hard isn't enough you've got to work smart and hard and uh you're a testament to that for sure my friend and i will with you know, those are all my questions up to this point, man. And I just need to ask, is there one thing we didn't discuss or one question I could have asked that would have added more value to this interview?
0: Um, to be honest, I think there's a lot of value in kind of the types of questions that you're asking and like the, the depth to which you're going. Um, I think one thing often overlooked in the restaurant world specifically, but also like general entrepreneurship is, um, this whole like personal work life balance and just like finding out what's healthy for you. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, my wife and I have a young son. And so like that topic is, is sensitive and it's also super important to, to make sure that you're, uh, kind of like keeping appropriate priorities in line, and a lot of times when entrepreneurs are starting out they're just like you know hustling 16 17 18 hours a day and you know your other life kind of goes out the window to some degree or you know your business becomes all-consuming and at points it it is um but I think it's hard to break out of a cycle where you're just always grinding to kind of like step back. And I think that, you know, for us as a business, we're trying to promote and really kind of like be the, be the cheerleader for a healthy work life balance because, you know, I don't want any of my employees to be, you know, putting their, life on hold really for the sake of this business and you know as a leader in the business you know that's something that i also need to be really exemplifying <clears throat> awesome so, so yeah i would say just maintaining a healthy work-life balance and then like how like practically how is that done
1: beautiful all right, man. That, those are all of my questions. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who was one independent restaurant or cafe operator, somebody you admire and think would make a great guest mentor like you've made for us today?
0: Um, there's a guy, uh, James Mark, from uh, North. It's a spot in town here in Providence that's doing awesome food. Guys, like, really hustling, doing awesome, cool stuff. Opened up a couple different spots with, you know, awesome concepts. He's a great boss to work for, from what I've heard from people. Um, you know, generally, like, mission-wise, super in line with what we're doing. Um, also, a guy with a young family. So, I think he'd be a cool guy to interview. Um, also... Lynn and Jim Williams uh, from Seven Stars. They've got like a very uh, established bakery business in the city and they're just like crushing it on every front.
1: So that was James, Mark, and Lynn and Jim Williams. And what were the restaurants that, or cafes they owned? <clears throat> uh,
0: James uh, has a place called North, Food by North, I oh, think the right. technical name is. And the Williams have a bakery called seven stars bakery
1: seven stars all right beautiful james mark and lynn and jim williams look out i am coming after you guys and brian let the folks at home know how can we connect with you how can we uh check out what you're up to your websites your social handles and see what you're up to and maybe uh learn just by observing what you're up to how can we connect sure
0: uh I think all of our social handles are Bolt Coffee Co. Um, And then our website is www.boltcoffeeco.com.
1: All right. Beautiful. Again, those will be in the show notes. This is episode 357. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 357. Brian, thank you so much uh, for just being somebody who gets it, dude. Eighteen years old or nineteen years old? How old were you when you started just doing your own thing and hustling?
0: Uh, I think I was. I think we started the business when I was twenty-one. Still, dude,
1: twenty-one. What were you doing when you're listening to this? When you were twenty-one years old, were you starting your own business? My guess is probably not. And just to start small, to scale up, to stay focused, and now the owner of. I think what Bolt has two locations plus Need and Do- or Need and Donut or Need and dove. Man, my mind is all over the place. Knead,
0: yeah, Need Donuts and then <laughs> yeah. Bolt has two
1: spots. Man, like, good for you! Congratulations! I can't wait to see where you are in like another ten years, dude. You are gonna be crushing it. Uh, there is no questioning; you are unstoppable. Thanks, Eric. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed another episode of Restaurant Unstoppable. Stoppable, stoppable, special thanks to Brian Gibbs for joining us today and tons of great advice uh, from a young guy in this industry who almost just, it just seems instinctual for him. Like the path he's taking, the way he's doing this Uh, for me, obviously the big lesson is that greatness isn't determined by how big you are. Greatness is determined by what you do day-to-day who you are day-to-day you can be great in this industry and be small and if you want to be great like you don't you don't break into this industry with like a massive restaurant this big restaurant group it starts where you can start just start now wherever you can get creative for brian that that creativity was just like how you know how can we start this little thing? He started with a catering cart, a, a coffee a catering cart. Like, think of the overhead to pull that off. Not much. They, I mean, him and his partner together only had seven thousand dollars. They had to come up with seven thousand dollars to get started. Like, that's manageable. So, what are you passionate about? How can you carve out a niche in your community? Serve the people in your community. Uh, and you know, it's going to be hard the first three years two years maybe more but just start where you can and hustle and commit yourself to it and it will get easier scale over time uh i just thought that brian gibb and bolt coffee co uh what they're doing was a beautiful example of how to just start and make it happen ask yourself how is this possible uh they hit roadblocks they hit challenges but they didn't quit they just said how can we make it happen and they got creative and they made it happen uh that's the lesson today also some great uh tools recommended uh slack has been being recommended a bunch of time trello that's the first time being meant uh recommended it's a platform for just basically uh time management list building project management um what else squarespace guys you need a, a decent website. It's time. And Squarespace makes it easy. Tons of great advice today. I'm going to show up now. I'm, just, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. So, um, like always, before I let you go, please do connect with me, Eric, at restaurantsunstoppable.com. Eric Cacciatore on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook slash restaurantunstoppable.com. Uh, Let me know who you want to hear from. Let me know who I can make an example of. Or just let me know what your challenges are, what you're struggling with. I might not have the answers, but I guarantee you I know somebody who does or they exist. and I will find them. I'll get them on the show. And uh, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They really do help validate uh, what I'm doing here at Restaurant Unstoppable. And special shout-out to my boy, Jared Parisi, for the editing and production uh, in promotion, I wouldn't be able to do the research I'm doing now. Finding people like Brian Gibbs, I did it again. His name is Brian Gibb. He called me out earlier, without an S. Brian Gibb. I, I did some research. I, I you know I had to find Brian, and I want to find more people who have stories like Brian. Uh, but I need that time to do the research. And Jared has made that possible. So special thanks to Jared Parisi for the editing and promotion, freeing me up to do more research. Uh, envisioning and just dreaming. So that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.